the last couple of weeks, we're focusing on relationships. I started off with trying to strongly suggest to you that there is an absolutely rational reason for believing that there is a creator God. And last week, we got a little more personal and we, we talked about, does God, this creator God, really care for us? This morning, we're going to be talking mostly about human-to-human relationships. And I titled this uh, talk, this sermon, One is the Loneliest Number, because it, it, it's an old song. Uh, Three Dog Night, I did, did it a long time ago. Um, and it's been buzzing in my head. And don't worry, I won't sing it and we won't play it this morning. But there's something about that title that's really poignant. One is the loneliest number because human beings are not meant to be solitary animals. We're meant to be in relationship. Why? Because we are formed in the, relation, the image of God. And our creator is in relationship. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's in relationship. And uh, that's, that's reflected in how he feels about us. I do have one illustration that I, that I want to pose to you about what, going back to the Creator God, what things originally looked like. On the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, there's this beautiful painting by, it was Da Vinci, right? Leonardo did the Sistine Chapel? Someone correct me? Michelangelo, okay. One of those Italian guys. Sorry, no. Michelangelo, you're right. See, I'm so good at portraying my cultural ignorance. Michelangelo. And there's a beautiful picture of God and man reaching out. And it's just gorgeous. Uh, I, I have another uh, rendition of what creation may have looked like. A little bit like this Far Side cartoon. You can't read the caption. But uh, God is creating the world. And he's got different ingredients there. Um, He's got uh, uh, light-skinned people, dark-skinned people, uh, medium-skinned people. He's got reptiles and trees. And the container he's shaking over the globe is labeled jerks. And he's got the little caption says, just to make things interesting. <laughs> now, I'm not thinking of anyone here, okay? I'm not. I just think it's funny because that's kind of my sense of humor. But... I have to confess there are times that I'm in that container called jerks. And it just reflects the fact that we struggle in our relationships with each other. So what does God think about human relationships? Going back to this whole idea of one is the loneliest number, this is a passage from Ecclesiastes that I find very poignant. Just a warning, don't read Ecclesiastes when you're having a bad day, or in February probably, um, but it, it, it's got some really poignant truths in it. It goes like this. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord, triple cord is not easily broken. That last verse, I think, um, communicates the thought of if we're in two human beings or in a relationship or a friendship, the third strand is God binding them together. 
So we are not wired to, build, to, to be alone. We are relational beings. Now, here's your, here's your chance to have a little bit of input and help me to preach the sermon. What qualities do you look for in a friend? Just give me some words. Acceptance, okay. I, I'm sorry, over here? Someone who's honest. Okay, yeah. Pardon? Loyalty? Yeah. Funny. Right on. Yeah. And I got one more thing. We cannot get along if we argue. Yeah. Because marriage is not good, so we have to, so we should make it better for both of us. Right. So when we argue and have a disagreement, we have to figure out a way to, to, to be friends again, don't we? And it, you know what? Um, that's about resolving conflict. And that's really important, Jason, resolving conflict. S someone who accepts us for who we are. Yeah, no matter what. Trust. Trust. Foundational, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. One more. How about the sound booth? Come on, guys. Give me something from the sound. You never get a chance to contribute. I'm sorry, Emily? Yeah, help each other. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to involve you because I really am fond of all of you and appreciate your work. Okay, these are the qualities that we look for in a friend. Now, I'm wondering, if we go back to God being our creator, what he thinks is important in human relationships. You will recall that God actually became one of us. So when he became one of us, what kind of qualities did he communicate in his relationships? John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, Full of what? Now remember, everyone is full of something. Okay? So according to these verses, what was Jesus full of? Full of grace and truth. Wow. Full of grace and truth. And some of that popped up in our discussions about what we look for in a good friend. Someone who accepts us no matter what. Right? Someone who's, who's truthful. Someone who can be trusted. Okay? Keep those words in mind, grace and truth. Now we're going to have a short science lesson, so stay tuned. I'm going to talk about sodium. Sodium is a fascinating compound. In its, uh, it is so volatile that in its pure state, you have to store it in water. I remember in a chemistry lab I was in, um, it, it was really fun. If you like to blow things up, go into a chemistry. Um, we had a, a pair of tongs and we reached down and we, and we took the sodium out of the water it was contained in and it just ignited. This bright flame. I can still see it. I don't think I had any lasting damage, but it was just really bright. So it, it reacts very quickly. Sodium reminds me of people who are after the truth. They shine a light on things and they say, just, uh, I'm a truth teller. I tell it like it is. And they'll come along and give you the unsolicited feedback on your appearance or your behavior and you think it's a little too much light right now just back off a little bit but they're all about the truth we shine the light on things and we must know the truth okay truth is a good quality right all right so that's sodium 
I'm going to talk about another chemical, another element right now. This is chlorine. Chlorine, in its natural state, is extremely dangerous. It's this heavy kind of greenish gas. It's heavier than air, so it tends to fall to the ground. And it has a very sordid, ugly history in the last hundred or so years because people have used it in war to kill people. Chlorine gas in World War I killed a lot of soldiers. And it was so heavy, it was like this thick blanket that just would fill the bottom of shell holes. So if you were wounded in a shell hole and you couldn't get out, the gas would come down and get you. And it's this heavy blanket that just covers you. And chlorine's a bit like grace because grace, we, we, we just want to hug people and surround them and kind of smother them and just this, this thick layer of just, you know. So what happens when we put, we want to extend grace. We want to be kind. We say to people, don't judge me. Don't judge. Jesus didn't judge people, right? Right? We'll talk about that. Okay. But what happens, does anybody know what happens when you put sodium and chlorine together? What do you get? Salt. Sodium chloride. And in fact, okay, now if you're keeping score at home, I got to get not too excited here, but it's an ionic bond, which is really, really strong, okay? This is why we care about chemistry, because it's really good in Bible talks. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> it, it's so strong. I, I won't bore you with the diagrams, but it's really cool. I, okay, I won't get too excited about chemistry. But it's so strong, such a strong crystal. And salt, when used in proper amounts, is essential to life, right? It does so many good things. It, 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 it stops meat from rotting. It, it actually makes people thirsty, and I think it makes people thirsty for God. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth, right? So when you put grace and truth together, wow, what a combination. They're not polar opposites. They're complementary. You need both. We need both. And God wants our relationships to be full of grace and truth, just like Jesus was. Think about this. We are designing a new filter today for our relationships with other human beings. Grace and truth. When I look at people, hi Doug. When I look at people, we look at each other. We need to look at them through the lenses of grace and truth. Fantastic scripture readings, both of them this morning. The one from the Old Testament is very powerful. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. What a deal. Or repay us according to our iniquities. This is unbelievable. That's grace, right? That's grace. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. I was trying to wrap my head around this verse this morning when it was being read. 
as far as the east, how far is the east from the west? Like, if you keep going east, do you ever get to the west? Or what? Now we're going around in circles, right? It's kind of a rhetorical thing. But you get the idea. That's how far God has removed our transgressions from us. And incidentally, he, um, he forgives all our diseases and all our sin. And not 87.5%, not you know, which is a pretty good grade. He forgives all of our junks, which is amazing. And as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on who? Those who fear him. That's where the truth comes in, right? So great is his love for those who fear him. So those who are living in the truth with God know his grace. So grace and truth go together. More grace. For he knows how we are formed he remembers that we are dust. God knows the truth about us. And what does he do? Does he eradicate us and start, eh, I could start again. With, uh, let's have another science experiment. No, God does not eradicate us. He shows us grace. So grace and truth go together in our relationship with God. Now, how does it look with other human beings? We're going to go through a few uh, verses, just chosen from the Bible, not randomly, intentionally, just to see how grace and truth work together. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. We don't need people to flatter us, right? We don't need people who are going to charm us and sweet talk us because you're always thinking, what's the catch? But wounds from a friend can be trusted. Because our friend is speaking the truth to us in love. And there are times, you know, you, the, the quality of your friendship will be tested by how honest you can be with each other. That's that element of trust that we talked about. Someone volunteered today. It's so important in a healthy relationship. One who is unreliable friends soon comes to, to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, we may struggle with our families of origin, our biological families, but God has invited all of us into his family. And if we are a family, if we're part of God's extended family, then hopefully we are experiencing and modeling to each other grace and truth all the time. And there are people who actually I don't have any biological brothers, but I have lots of brothers from another mother, right? And I have um, spiritual brothers that have stuck closer to me than any biological sibling I might have. And that's amazing. Here's what grace and truth looks like in our relationships. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's what grace and truth looks like in our conversation. What we need to do is get the salt shaker out. Uh, all the doctors and medical people, just close your ears. But get the salt shaker out and, and season our conversation with salt of grace and truth. 
So we won't be using foul or abusive language, especially when we're driving up and down Portage Avenue. Uh, everything we say will be good and helpful to people so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. That's how we're supposed to interact with each other. With grace and truth, modeling that. When I was getting ready to talk this sermon, talk about you know, how to be a good friend, I thought, is this going to sound like some pep talk or seven points to better relationships or blah, 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 blah. I get blogs and emails like that all the time in my inbox, and they just overwhelm me with practical to-do, not, not even practical, but things I need to do. And my to-do list is already too full, so I need to simplify my inbox a little bit. And I didn't want to present to you a bunch of moral platitudes or just some inspirational talk or something that you could get anywhere. But as I was getting ready, I was thinking, how does God, what does God think about human relationships? What are important to him? Not Oprah or People Magazine or anybody else. But what does God think about human relationships? What's important to him? Grace and truth. Because that's what Jesus was full of. That's what I want to be full of if I'm going to be full of something. Be full of grace and truth. And I think we should all aspire to that. Grace and truth. Because they are interdependent. They are so closely attached. And when they, when they work well, it is a beautiful thing. This morning, even in worship leading up to this message, we had a beautiful example of, of grace and truth. People inviting us being invited into worship together and say, you know, admitting to each other, hey, we need Jesus. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. And I love that that first song we were doing, you guys were doing with all the percussion, the, um, oh, now I can't remember, but there's something about when you get feeling better, like go and see Jesus. Go and have that come to Jesus time, you know, don't put it off because when you're feeling better, then it's going to be too late. Like, just, just respond to him right away. If we model and if we can appropriate grace and truth into our relationships, they will be so much healthier. And it's not my intention to give you a pep talk. Just say, look, we need to throw ourselves on the mercy of the court here. We need to run to Jesus and say, Jesus... I need me some more of that grace and truth because I'm leaking badly. I am leaking badly. And I need more of that. I need more of a revelation of how much you love me. See, if we know how much we've been forgiven, then we can have the courage and determination to forgive somebody else. If we let Psalm 103 soak into our spirits and say, you know what, as far as the east is the west, that's how far God's removed your sin from you. And the fact that if God knows we're dust, he won't get frustrated with us. He won't boot us out of the family. So why should I reject other people? If God's not going to reject me when I mess up, why should I be rejecting other people? See, if, if we can get, absorb God's truth into us, 
his grace will just ooze out of every pore in our being. That's my desire for all of us, that we be full. If we're going to be full of something, why not be full of grace and truth? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Don't talk about loving the poor, okay? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, okay to talk about that. Just do it. Like the Nike slogan says, just do it. We need people to volunteer with our food bank. So don't talk about it. Just do it, okay? We can get you set up. We can facilitate that. Don't talk about, well, somebody should do something about so-and-so. Well, do it. Do something, okay? Don't love with words or speech, but love with actions and in truth, in honesty. Not to manipulate people, but love in truth. God wants our relationships to be full of grace and truth. I would love for this congregation to be characterized by grace and truth. That would be fantastic. And I'm not looking to put that on my resume or put some feather in my ecclesiastical cap. I don't even have one of those, whatever that is. But I just want that for all of us because that's what life's all about. Why don't we start thriving and stop existing, right? Why don't we ask Jesus to fill us with grace and truth? That would be really cool to see what might happen if we start living full of grace and truth. Does that sound a little bit enticing? Is, is, your, is your spiritual stomach growling? You know, can you kind of smell the home cooking that God is offering you? Grace and truth stew served up with a side order of love. You know, like what? Do you, are you getting hungry for that? That's what Jesus is dish, dishing out today. So let's absorb that. And that will give us the strength and energy to love other people. I am not a believer in pull yourself up by the bootstraps religion. I think that's bogus. I think it's a lie. I think it's a pile of stuff you don't want to step in in Assiniboine Park. But I do believe that as we experience God's grace and truth in our lives, then we can just overflow and, and, and reflect it to the other people that we rub shoulders with every day, rub elbows with. And that's what God wants to do with Elam Chapel. He wants us to be a source of grace and truth right here in the heart of the city, in the heart of the country. Let's pray. Jesus, we are hungry to know grace and truth in our lives. So I pray that you will reveal yourself to us. Thank you for this great time of worship that we've had this morning. Thank you for the, the, the transparency and grace and truth that was modeled to us. Help us to live lives like that. Lord, this week, I pray that you would bring across our path someone that we can show grace and truth to. And I pray that you would fill us with grace and truth so we know how to respond and how to initiate contact with these people. 
bless us. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you that you've taken away our sins as far as the east is from the west. Thank you that you help us to live in the truth. And we're looking forward to what you're going to do in our lives. Help us to be the salt of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.